You're listening to the Model Body Podcast with your host, Terry Goodlad. Welcome, everyone, to episode one of the Model Body Podcast. I'm Terry Goodlad, publisher, bottle washer, guy that cleans the bathrooms there. I do it all for, for Model Body. Really, it's it's a one-man show at this point. It's, uh, of course, Model Body Podcast goes along with the Model Body Magazine, which will launch the first issue drops in November. The website, modelbody.com, and it's M-O-D-L-B-O-D-Y.com. Uh, that will be live as of actually right now. By the time you're listening to this, that 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 thing's live. You can go look at it. Uh, my guest today is the girl that did the intro for me, Elaine Goodlad. Uh, no, she's not my sister. Even though we tell everybody she's my sister, she's actually my ex-wife. Is that my cue? <laughs> That's your cue. Yes. Hello, Terry Goodlad. Actually, I guess we 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 should dive into that. We've known each other. Uh, you're. 55 now I, we met you when you for were 33 years, years. Yeah. right and uh, we were married for some of that I can't seem to get rid of you is the problem it's like that gum on the bottom of your shoe yeah, or you're the gum <laughs> I'm the gum on my shoe but uh, I want to talk to you but I'm not, just for the people that don't know who you are uh, very very accomplished model you've been published worldwide you were a top IFBB pro you were the first IFBB pro figure competitor to ever step foot on a professional stage you were competitor number one at the inaugural figure uh, pro figure show at the at the arnold classic in 2000 what was that three. Two, three, 2003 yes and so uh, and at that time there was just a small number of you you were one of the first obviously the most beautiful the one everybody wanted to talk about there, of course there were others Aww. that were very beautiful as well but but uh, you're, you went from like nobody knew you to people knew you globally within a couple of months. And yeah, it was quite a trip. Yeah, and also there was that journey uh, as a model prior to that, and we'll get into that in a minute. But, <clears throat> but you've done all, all this stuff, been published in hundreds of times in, in magazines all around the globe, uh, websites. You've, been, you've got your own Wikipedia page. Uh, you've, I didn't uh, know that was a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> Well, not everybody gets a Wikipedia page. Until somebody right? looked at me and said, you have you a Wikipedia, Wikipedia page? I'm like, doesn't everybody? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I want to take everybody back to those early times. And and you are somebody that was a nobody, virtually. We used to say you were the burrito girl. We owned a gym in Canada, and and you were the girl that made burritos for everybody at the gym, right? And <laughs> and you went from that to... And it was funny because we, we remember after you made it big in fitness, there were people that used to come to the gym and, and you'd serve them food. And, Every day. And they'd get all nervous and they'd stand in line for a long time to, to, to meet you and say hi and, and sign your autograph. And it was kind of cute. I was too busy probably with my head down making the food that I probably didn't <laughs> notice that part. It was just kind of cool though because you were somebody that actually did do everything the right way. And, uh, and it really, really worked out for you. And, uh, uh, and, it, and it's a tough thing because there's those relationships you got to navigate. There's maintaining those relationships, uh, you know, establishing a, a brand, a solid brand. It's not just going out there and shooting with everybody that's got a camera and, you know, trying to get your pictures out there as much as you can, any way you can. Uh, you actually had a, a methodology to what you did. Yes, but, you know, is from my perspective, I will tell you that it was very authentically laid out i i didn't i know you you know directed a lot of it in mm -hmm. in, in a sense but for me it very just it happened very authentically i didn't even really understand what was happening as it was happening <laughs> it just happened to me and and all of a sudden i was there 
And but, but the things that I think make a difference is, uh, and I'll, I'll just go back. I hearken back to one photo shoot you did for uh, Weeder Publications. Mm -hmm. And it was a big uh, annual feature. Called the Page Three Girl. Well, no, no. The big annual feature was a swimsuit thing. You guys oh, were at the pool. One, yes. And there were three models that were shooting that day. And I remember one was like, she was another icon in the sport, but she was such a pain in the butt to work with that uh, that was her last shoot for that magazine. And basically that, that shoot pretty much ended her visibility in the fitness industry for, for the rest of her life, really. Right. And as a model, I can tell you why, because really as a model, you're there as a model slash mannequin for whatever they want to have you, you know, display on their pages. Right, you're a model. You're a model. It's not about you. So if right. you make it about you somehow, they actually look at you like, Ser seriously, <laughs> you think this is about you? So this particular girl, she wasn't about to get her hair wet in the waterfalls and she wasn't about to do this and that. And, and I it thought, was a swimsuit shoot. Why don't you just do what you're told to do? Because that's right. why you're here. And I don't think she understood that it it wasn't about whether or not she wanted to get her hair wet. So, yeah, well, I think it was the last time right. she was used for that. But uh, but and that's the point. I mean, I, I know you're downplaying your your involvement or role or engineering of all this stuff. And, and it was something we certainly did together. <clears throat> you know, on, from both ends. I was a photographer working for a lot of those magazines. And the funny part was, and we'll go into this a, a little bit later, but um, it was it was hard to get anybody interested in publishing any pictures of you for a long time, which always mystified me until they realized the error of their ways. And, and I want to talk about that in, in a minute. But uh, because you became one of the most photographed fitness models out there for, for many, many years, and you're still shooting, you're still shooting. We, we just shot in, in Florida. Florida a couple of weeks ago mm -hmm. and uh, and you'll be an issue one of, of model body but uh, I, th I think the cool thing was is this that you went into this with no ego no attitude and uh, you know you, you do whatever they needed to get the shot and that's always been the theme with you and I and that was the theme throughout your whole modeling career and I want to go into that now when we started uh, you know you're you and I you and I were, were born and raised in, in a province in Canada called Saskatchewan both of us, my grandparents had a farm, your parents had a farm, uh, you know, so we kind of grew up with the same, that hard work, that kind of stuff, right? Same values. And, uh, and then when we decided we were going to take a stab at this, uh, you and I together kind of went at this and, and it uh, started off with me being a fitness industry photographer, working for a lot of these magazines. And of course, I would, whenever I could, I was trying to, okay, here's a picture of at the time, my wife, Elaine, I would, here's a picture of my wife and kind of, oh yeah, great, you know, but they'd always want me to shoot somebody else. And so how we actually got your, your big break, I, you, you had been shot a couple of times before. Remember you did a powerlifting layout for, for Oxygen for Magazine. Oxygen. Yes. They had an, they had a powerlifter that they were telling the story about, but they didn't want to photograph her as the model for their magazine because she wasn't a fit for Oxygen Magazine. So they saw me and we had told them that I would was powerlifting for many years, so they used me as the model for that. Because I used to powerlift. But it was a story about somebody else. It yeah. wasn't. It, I was just the model for the powerlifting shoot. Well, that was a huge break for me in Oxygen Magazine because it it worked very well. And even the irony then, and this is again how people think. And I, I the theme that I want to, the point I want to make here is that there are the creative people, the people doing the work. And then there's the consumer, the people that are actually enjoying the work and responding to it. And between those two groups, 
uh, for many, many years, this is how everything was done until the internet came along and social media, is that all the people in the middle were the ones that were the gatekeepers. They decided who got to be seen and who was, you know, made the cut. Like you said, where wasn't a fit for oxygen. What does that mean? You don't fit the stereotype of how we want you to look. And so, no, you're not. We're going to pick some other chick and put her in and tell you your story, you know. And so that kind of stuff went on. And that was that's what the magazine business was. And so uh, back then, I remember for it, I was working for for one of the top publishers, the top publisher in the world, a bunch of magazines. And I was working for them as a photographer and writer. And I kept going in there every time I go out to California for a, for a meeting. I'd say, hey, you know, I'd. Here's another picture of my wife that I took. What do you think? Can we, can we use it for something? And, and it's like, no, no, no. And finally they got fed up after about a year and said, okay, here's the deal. <clears throat> You're from Canada. Shoot her in the wintertime, up on top of a mountaintop, in a snowbank, in a bathing suit, a Canadian flag bathing suit. If you'll go take that picture and if she'll do it, we'll publish the picture. So we got the Canadian flag bathing suit made. We went up. Now, it was such a cold day. <laughs> that oh people gosh. were leaving the ski hill because it was too cold and you and I went out and I remember it was it was 45 minutes we were out there in the snow shooting this shot and you were rock solid the whole time it looked like you were in the Bahamas somewhere not once did you complain about the cold you didn't once complain about rolling in the snow in the bathing suit you didn't complain about anything but we shot exactly what they asked for took it back and they published it and then from there it was like Holy smokes, because everybody kind of thought of Elaine as this bigger powerlifter kind of girl, that she wasn't marketable. And uh, and we proved that that wasn't true. And you went on to, I mean, how many years were you in every swimsuit issue, every lingerie issue? How many layouts did you have? How many covers did you yeah, have? Flex I mean, Magazine pretty much used me for all the um, swimsuit layouts and, and calendars and, and lingerie layouts. It was, yeah. You were, I was a staple for many years, actually, yes. in, in those issues. It was kind of cool. And that's the cool thing. And I think that's the message that I want to put across is... Don't uh, give up. Don't give up. <laughs> and, and just because somebody says no, that doesn't necessarily mean no. And even if they're a quote-unquote expert and they say no, just because they can't see it doesn't mean it's not there. I mean, you went on to... I mean, gosh, I, how many covers do you have? Do you? How many covers have you shot? You know what? I'm not sure because there are some international covers too, but I would say, I don't know, somewhere between, it could be 10 or 15. I, I actually don't even know. I have no yeah, idea. Yeah, I think it's probably more than that because I think I'm not sure. more than that. But anyway. I know I was on Oxygen Magazine four times, Muscle and Fitness covers. Hers. Yep. Yes, on the covers. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there was, there was a body sport magazine cover. There was, there was a few. Oh, there's so many. Yeah. Was, uh, and then I would get, uh, was H2O. some no, of H2. my foreign fans would say, Hey, yeah. I saw you on a cover in our country right. and they would send it to me. So it was kind of right. interesting. And so that's the thing. Like, this is a girl that they said, no, 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 for a year from a guy that's on the inside that should be able to have some influence. You would think, right. Think. And they push back, push back, push back. And finally gave us an order for a shot that they thought in a million years nobody would ever have the guts to do and you went up and did it like a rock star and Kneeling nailed on it. a canadian flag in the snow <laughs> do you still have that picture yep that was an awesome shot yeah uh, but that that launched a career and a very brilliant career um at one point you were one of the highest paid athletes on contract in the industry um it enabled you to move down to the u.s here and create a whole career you the traveled female the athletes yeah, it, yeah they typically obviously didn't make as much money as the male athletes but as far as female athletes went i i did get a paycheck for many years it was a real blessing now and then you traveled the world i mean you were all over the yes. place and 
shot and represented a company and worked in booths and worked for magazines and did all this different stuff. Uh, and, and you still model today. And so <clears throat> I want to talk a little bit about the modeling now. And in a minute, we're going to get into the makeup because you kind of went the same route with the makeup, makeup too. We had the same pushback from the same people that knew you, but you're supposed to be a model. You're not supposed to be a makeup artist. <laughs> yeah. Nobody's supposed to be that talented <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and humble <laughs> or humble. Exactly. But with the, uh, with the competing thing and the modeling thing, which did you enjoy more and why? The modeling. I don't even have to hesitate. Yeah. I why? believe that I, I was never, uh, I never sought after the competitive stage. That was something my husband at the time me. pushed me into. <laughs> and actually, it, it ended up being a means well, to... Well, that was another stipulation, though. But it was right. beyond the mountaintop, but also you had to compete in a contest. I had to compete. I ha they did not cover girls that were not competitors so the stipulation was you had to do a show and then we will publish you because you're not a competitor you're not going to get published in this particular magazine oxygen was a little bit different at the time you know with with certain types of shoots i didn't have mm -hmm. to be a competitive athlete but so we did this one show and and you actually fooled me big time <laughs> because i knew nothing about these shows and he said uh, there's a little show close to home, which was close to British Columbia. It was called Seattle, Washington. A little <laughs> show close to home. And um, did I mention it's the Emerald Cup? The Emerald right? Cup. Bradney Lane Craig. A couple, Still couple have that show people today. watching. Yeah. And uh, he conned me down there. And when I saw how many people were actually there, I realized I'd been duped. And then, you won, and then you won the overall. And I won the overall. And actually, I was so naive. I was on stage, and they were actually, sometimes they'll do the runner-up or the winner, and I wasn't sure what they were doing or what they were saying. So I stood up there like a stunned bunny, and I, I was kind of looking out the corner of my eyes both ways <laughs> going, who just won? What, what, what just happened? I remember that. <laughs> I didn't know what happened. So I was very, very... I was very humbled by it because I didn't go in with any anticipation of winning mm -hmm. and I really didn't know what was going on. So I won the overall and of course I was never going to do that again. I was so terrified to be on stage and that was why it was something I was never going to do is my fear. And you said, I don't care what you got to do, but you go meditate, go to therapy, counseling, whatever you have to do, but you're going to get on a stage once because they're going to cover you in this magazine if you mm -hmm. do. And that'll open the door. For and that'll open the door. So I, I forced myself to do it and complained about it the entire way. It was a six-hour drive. We were 30 minutes out of our city where we live on the way to the six-hour drive. She complained for the first 30 minutes, then fell asleep, woke up about an hour later, and just it was like she picked up the complaint mid-sentence and just the kept on going. The complaint was fear-based. All the way to Seattle. I just did not want to be on I go backstage in front of after they people. awarded you your overall <laughs> title, and she says, when's the next one? No, I did not. I don't <laughs> yes, remember saying did. that. you did. You wanted to do another one. It was kind of exciting one. to win the overall when exciting. you're not expecting it, but I did not really want to compete again. Now, you competed at the Arnold. How many times at the Arnold? How many times at the Olympia? I think it was four times at the Arnold, twice at the Olympia. I competed in 19 pro shows, pretty much back-to-back. -back. Mm -hmm. I, I literally did 12 pro shows in my first two seasons, which mm -hmm. is ridiculous for a yeah. pro figure athlete because it's very hard on the body. And like my body we were trying was, to achieve something, yeah, so we, you kind of we had were, to do that schedule. Yeah, so. we were here and uh, basically getting a green card to stay in this country competing as a professional athlete, right. which which we did do. And so, so you had to compete to do that. I had to compete, had to be top 10 in the world at all mm -hmm. times. And so we, we accomplished it and it, it kind of, it was kind of one of those things that 
I didn't really plan that way. That's mm-hmm. why it was so authentic for me because I was just rolling with the punches mm-hmm. and it all, and now it seems like a blur. Like it actually did that actually really happen. Right. Right. So no, it's now go back uh, competing at the Arnold and the Olympia is very, very different than any other pro show. Oh, definitely. Uh, because it's a big event and you get, you get treated like, you're you a get celebrity, treated, right? especially at the Arnold Classic. They treat you like a professional athlete. I was always extremely impressed with how we were treated there, and uh, it was an honor because you had to be chosen to be to be uh, on that stage. And I was chosen uh, every year that I competed. Mm-hmm. Now, so, with that, did you enjoy competing more then, or was it uh, was there a difference for you? Once I got past the fear, which was an entire year competing as a pro, I think I did seven shows, and I think it was my seventh show of my first pro season that I actually did not feel the fear because you gave me a speech backstage that (laughs) literally changed my life, and I give that speech to every girl that sits in my chair that is afraid. Wow. And it was about, I have to say it because it's actually very helpful to a lot of people, but um, stop making this about you. Elaine, (laughs) your name here. If you're in this sport to be an ambassador for your sport and actually inspire and motivate other women who are sitting in that crowd afraid or beaten down by life or whatever their hangup is, you have an opportunity to inspire somebody. So how about go out there, walk proud at what you've accomplished and look over the heads of those judges and look at those women out in that crowd so that they can see that if you did it, they can do it also and stop making it about you. I, w- I was literally in tears. <laughs> I was like, okay, I can do that. So I went out and that was the first time I wasn't afraid. It yeah. was at the Olympia. Wow. I walked on stage at the Olympia and just slowly. A place where you would think you should be most where afraid. I would be so terrified. I walked on that stage and just literally strutted my stuff mm-hmm. back and forth on that stage and looked over at that audience thinking somebody's being inspired today. Yeah. And it felt so good. And I was never afraid after that. Wow. As a, as a matter of fact, I would say, come on, girls, let's get this over with so we can have our pizza. Right. That's what <laughs> the attitude was. But yeah, it was it was remarkable. But back in those days, uh, there was that's the birth of figure. That was pizza? Uh, no. Oh. <laughs> well, yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, but uh Figure, that was the beginning of figure. And so it was a very, very tight group of girls. And it was. was. There was only 13 of us in the world invited to the first inaugural pro figure show at the Arnold Classic. There was 13 of us. Yeah. And it was, so everybody knew who the pros were. Now it just got so watered down. I think that there was 20 to 30 pros every year being, you know. New pros. New pros Mm -hmm. coming onto the scene. And now there's probably even more than that. So you, you start to lose track. And only because back then... The magazines were also a big part of it. So if you were somebody, you were in the magazine. Now the magazines are, you know, they're not, it's social media, which is everything. Well, print magazines. Yeah, print magazines. And that's the problem with print is that uh, with print, you're, you're, you know, you're limited. You know, we owned a print magazine at one time before we left Canada. We owned a print magazine and the the challenge is distribution. It's getting it out there. Whereas the internet uh, model body is, is a digital magazine. It's my third, fourth Third or fourth digital yeah, magazine exactly. now, <clears throat> and uh, the thing of it is, is that there's no limit. You can, you can view it from around the world if you've got an internet connection. You can watch. And even so, Terry, mm-hmm. I'll tell you, and it's the funniest thing to me. I'll be doing makeup on the girls at their shows, mm-hmm. and they've got these huge Instagram followings. Yeah. Okay? So you know they're sitting there a little confident, and they're right. quite self-assured in who they are because of their followings. 
and I don't say I don't say much. I'm I'm there. I, I'm their makeup artist because that's that's how I see myself when I'm there. Well, then they look up my. They go, oh, let me tag you on your Instagram. They pull up my Instagram, and I'm on the cover of an Oxygen magazine. And immediately, I'm Genius. telling you, their Instagram following means nothing when they right. find out that I was on the cover of of magazines. They're mm. stunned, and they're like, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, you're on the co- how did you get on the covers of but magazines? That's, a, that's such a hard thing it's to do. It's a hard do. thing to do now. Yeah. Well, it was hard. It was hard back then too because you had to be a, a face and an image that would well, back, sell the magazine. Back, back okay. then they were selling so many magazines. And right. there, there's a formula that every magazine follows and to and I know this because I wrote and shot for them for demographic, yes. decades and 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 the thing of it is is that you there's a very specific formula you have to follow. So you know, you can be a top athlete. How you place really doesn't necessarily no. buy you a spot. And you might, you might they get published in a magazine. Your image is going to sell their magazine. Bingo. Period. You they know, it's just like think of it now care. in today's terms. Think of a, a video. If you're going to make a YouTube video, uh, which model that I'm going to put in that video has got a greater chance of it going viral? That's and that's exactly essentially it. what viral was back then. Right. Was selling more magazines. Right. Right. So it's very funny how they react when they find out that I had covers and many mm. of them, and then their attitude just changes instantly. It's like they're instantly <laughs> humbled. I'm like, wow, that that just literally changed this girl's personality right now. So it's kind of funny. It makes me realize at that moment that wow, that really was something. I that got, in itself is something though, and because you can never I mean, get back that in the back day, because print magazines will never be what they were. No, and and the thing, you know, I, I look back then and I remember back then you know, when you had meet the Olympians or when you'd go out to events and you'd be all around the world, Italy, wherever it was, Spain, wherever you Mm -hmm. went, um, and then going to some smaller places and going to them and you always treated everybody really, really well. You always treated, you never forgot where you came from. And, and so that's, I think that's telling right there. You know, these things are, again, that wasn't that many years ago. And a lot of people don't know who you are. And that's just that fame is very fleeting and Mm -hmm. where you build equity. But those relationships you built, you're still enjoying those relationships years and decades later now. Definitely. I still get emails and and I actually get the odd client that sits in my chair. She comes in, can hardly even look at me. And I'm like, "Hmm, this is, I wonder what's wrong with this person. She seems a little scared or shy or something. It turns out that they can't believe oh. that they're sitting in my chair getting their makeup <laughs> done because they've been a fan since right. you know 15 years ago and I forget that that was me cuz this is me now I'm doing their makeup so they're like oh my gosh I just have to tell you I am so nervous right now because I have been your biggest fan I've followed you since you started and now I'm sitting in your chair and you're about to touch my face I'm like, wow, <laughs> wow. Okay, but so. but it's kind of a cool thing that you can have that kind of an impact on somebody's yeah, life. It makes me and, feel and really good. And that's a cool thing about you. And and being a photographer, I've dealt with lots of those people that you describe. And and it's not just when they have big followings. It's it's some people with small followings and have big egos. You know, and yeah, and some true. people with big followings are extremely humble and really really nice. And. And the reality is, is as a business person, you know, uh, Anna and I own a clothing company. I used to be the president of a supplement company. Um, you know, you work with people that are good people that are going to help your brand and not people that are going to offend other people. Right. And so I think it's a good idea. Just, I mean, you're walking, living, breathing example of somebody that just remain humble, 
Well, you know, it's nothing I ever had to try at because I was born in a very, I was raised in a very That's humble environment yeah. and, and it never, nothing was allowed to get to my head right. as you know how I was raised. And so it just, that's just, that's who I am through and through. I mean, definitely more confidence today than I had yeah. when I was younger, but my confidence doesn't, uh, doesn't equate to a huge ego. It well, and I think that, that, that humility and modesty makes you an even bigger star because when people meet you, you're very accessible to them. You're very friendly. You know, you're very kind to them. You're very thoughtful. And when you do that, you actually do impact their lives. I mean, you impact them either that's way, but you impact part. them in a positive way. I mean, that's why way. I feel I was put here because right. let's face it, I think it's kind of, it's not an accident. I think it's an act of God really mm -hmm. because me being here and starting to compete at the age of 39, getting a pro card and being the first figure athlete pro to walk on stage at 40 plus. So mm -hmm. I just think that I was meant to be here. And if I'm meant to be here, what am I here to do? I'm here to inspire women. And you can and only do that when you can build a relationship with them. And you right. don't do that by being, by being, having a big ego and offending people. No, right? exactly. And I really do need to build my, my, um, social media more so I can do more of that. But yeah. for now it's one by one with every girl that sits in my chair, I get to inspire and motivate them. Well, we still have a couple of minutes. I want to talk about the makeup now because you kind of went, you had the same pushback at the start. Cause I remember when, when you and I started, we worked for an international placement agency and I would shoot the pictures. You would do the makeup and you're an incredible makeup artist. You've been doing this since you were a kid and uh, you are a licensed cosmetologist. This is something that you do. But you're also an artist. You draw, and you're an incredible artist. And and working with so many makeup artists over the years, because uh, I don't always get to choose my own artist. Now I do, but back in the day I didn't. And you know what I find is that makeup artists have a tendency to cover up a person's face, where what you did is you use the makeup to shape and 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 contour the person's face, not necessarily to cover to it enhance up. their beauty. Right. To answer, and and that's the thing is. You know, unless you're going for that, but but doing fitness type stuff or editorial type stuff, you want it to look natural, meaning you're made up, but you want it to look like it's your face. Right. And that's like a lot of girls appreciate that. I think that right. because I was an artist since I was a child, I think that I just had an eye for how to enhance something, but keep it real. Definitely a gift. Yep. Right. And so it's not something I had to work at. I just look at a face and I go, okay. Here's what we can do to make these eyes, you know, really stand out or bigger or, you know, go in the right direction, you know, not mm -hmm. sloping, whatever. whatever well, the, the thing you do be. for my shoots and I, is I'll tell you what we're doing. Here's the set. Here's the lighting. Here's here's the wardrobe. And this is the feel. This is the motivation. This is what I'm going for. And you actually create a look that flows with that. And rarely do I ever have to say, hey, can we do a little bit of this or can you do this? It never, ever happens. And if I ever do have to do that, I never get any pushback. What I hate is I'm the one creating the art. I get the responsibility. If it's a bad picture, they don't blame you. you know. And so the last thing I want to do is stand there and have an argument with a makeup artist, <laughs> right? <laughs> I've been doing this for a while and I know what I want, right? right. And uh, you always just create that amazing art. Well, and, and at the outset, I remember the magazines I worked for, I would, I would 
show them your makeup and they would complain about your makeup. And I remember one, one particular magazine was just, oh no, this is no good, blah, 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 blah. Well, ends up, you became one of their top makeup artists. Right, I ended up working for Flex Magazine, for right. Oxygen Magazine. All the top magazines. Right. All the top magazines you were modeling, right. you've done makeup for as well. It's at funny, photoshoots. oftentimes they would have me, even, even when I was at, on a cover shoot, I was the model, the clothing stylist, <laughs> the makeup artist and hairstylist for my own shoot. And they right. literally had me build them separately for all of those things. <laughs> so I thought that was kind of cool. I don't think a lot of people can actually say they did that. No, you know? no. But uh, you're definitely my favorite makeup artist. But uh, when I can get you, I know you're very, very busy. You travel all around the country. Uh, doing, I'm at a show pretty much almost every weekend. Yeah, yeah. doing contest makeup. So you're half the time in Las Vegas and half the time in Florida. Right. You, and then I'm all over. I'm in, I'm in a city almost every weekend, uh, doing actually most of the time an official artist for uh, hair and makeup for all for of shows. these MPC IBB shows. But you also do makeup for photo shoots. I do, yeah, any any kind of anything. Makeup. You want your wedding, your photo shoots, anything. But I, I'm very busy on the weekends with these competitions. I should have got you to do me up for my driver's license because I look. Oh, I sure could have done a little something under those eyes. Here we go. <laughs> Maybe polish your, I mean. Uh, yeah, polish that I dome. I was going to say polish your forehead. I meant powder your forehead because it looks a little shiny. No. Listen, Elaine, it's always a pleasure. I see you almost every day. We talk all the time, but, uh, you know, reminiscing, we don't do that uh, enough. No, it's probably, always fun. But uh, you've done some amazing things. Uh, I always loved working with you as a model and I love working with you as a makeup artist and it's just great to have you around and you are tremendously good and positive influence on up and coming models. I know we, you talk to my models for me and help them get settled down and get them squared away and in the right direction. So thank you Elaine for being on the show and thank you everyone for listening to the model body podcast. I uh, invite you to visit the website M O D L B O D Y modelbody.com. Uh, you'll find their links uh, along with all the stories and pictures and, and things like that. Uh, you'll find our links to our social media accounts. I invite you to follow us on there. We'll be back in a couple of days with another episode of the Model Body Podcast. Thanks for listening. Let's go.